What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content comes out over there. These podcasts, articles, tweets, Twitter threads, it's all in one place, so please do go check me out over on Twitter when you get a second. We're going to be doing our pretty standard show today. We'll look back on yesterday's top performers. We'll go through the most popular ads and drops today on the waiver wire, and then we'll highlight a couple of matchups. One in particular that's going to be starting kind of early, probably right around when you guys will be hearing this, it'll be starting, but it will be by far uh, the best pitching matchup of the day, so that's why we're going to highlight it. Even though I know it's a little bit early in the day, I try and highlight a night game typically, but this one just stands out so much, so we're going to talk about that one, but we will first off go to yesterday and look at some of yesterday's top performers. Sonny Gray was our highest scoring player in terms of points leagues, which is generally how I try and do this. You look at the highest scoring players in points leagues, it gives you a general idea of who is contributing across the board. So Sonny Gray, he went seven innings, he got a victory against Kansas City, he struck out eight batters, allowed three hits, and only walked one batter. Sonny Gray has been absolutely dominant now, going back for quite a while uh, he hasn't given up more than three earned runs in a start since the middle of July, and ever since then, it's mostly been zeros and ones, a uh, couple of twos, and there was one three-run game allowed uh, against the Dodgers in Los Angeles, so you kind of get a bit of a pass for that one. You can't hold it against them. For the season, Sonny Gray is a 291 ERA, a 110 whip, and in 117 innings, he has 116 strikeouts. He's done about as much as you could have hoped for. Maybe you'd hope for a few more wins. Eight's not a crazy high number, but you'll definitely take the production that Sonny Gray has been giving you. His next matchup should come, I believe it will be, it's against the Guardians. And now I'm not sure if this is going to be on Saturday, or excuse me, if this is going to be on Sunday, or if this will be for next week. I believe this one will be on Sunday afternoon at 1.40. So you should get one more Sonny Gray start for this week. And then depending on where you stand in your leagues, if this is your championship week, then that would be the final day. If not, if it goes till next week, then you would get that one start for him next week. But he is an absolute must-start player right now. Sonny Gray has been on an absolute tear. If you just look at the last month, he has a 185 ERA uh, in those 34 innings, 37 strikeouts, a sub-1 whip. He's been really on a roll, and he's an absolute must-start. This should go without saying, but I mean, sometimes they, you know, a guy does really well against a team like Kansas City, and it kind of makes you think that they're not all that. It depends on how far back you're looking, really, because uh, the Yankees start his last time out Six innings, two earned runs, seven strikeouts. He's done it against the good and the bad. So throw Sonny Gray into your lineups with absolute confidence as far as I see it. Christian Javier was the other guy who beat up on a pretty poor team yesterday. He went six innings. He also got a victory, struck out eight, and allowed two hits. Uh, Javier is another guy who I feel is very, very underrated. Now, for the season, 287 ERA. He's got a sub one whip. It's really the strikeouts that blow you away with him. 131 innings, and he has 173 strikeouts. In terms of American League pitchers, he ranks eighth uh, in strikeouts for the season. And I just, I don't know, I've always felt like Christian Javier doesn't really get his due. He'll be a guy who they'll throw to the bullpen sometimes if there's, you know, a, a surplus of arms out there. And I get it. With a team like Houston that just has so much talent, there's going to be an odd man out. I just... When there does need to be somebody who gets sent to the bullpen, I would much prefer it be like Jose or Keedy, who it never seems to happen to. I think Javier is a much better pitcher. But regardless of that, he is getting starts right now. His next start, I believe, will be against the Rays. So that one should be pretty solid. The Rays are, I don't know, it's hard to really say how you project the Rays on any given night. Sometimes they can be kind of a terrible offense. Sometimes they can be really good. For the season as a whole, they're kind of middle of the pack. They're 18th in runs. They're 15th in hits. Uh, 20th and on base percentage, 22nd in slugging. 
not a terribly scary offense, despite the team being, you know, could win the American League East this year, hypothetically. I mean, it's kind of, it's not looking so much like that at this point, but they're still right in that thick of the race. They're going to be a playoff team. It's just their lineup doesn't really scare me so much. So I think Christian Javier is a pretty solid must-start guy there for that start as well. We're moving on here, and we'll talk about our highest-scoring position player of the day. That was JT Realmuto. He hit two home runs, he drove in four, and he also walked. JT Realmuto, I think there's going to be a lot of question of where should we draft him next year? Should we be reaching on him? Should we maybe wait for one of these younger catchers? I think that the right range for him is probably going to be, for me, a little bit beyond where he's actually going to be drafted. Like I think, and I want to pull up from this past season actually because I'm not, I can't remember exactly like on the NFBC where he was being drafted. I think it was probably pick sixty ish. I think I don't know that I'd be in on him quite at that position or quite in that range. I think I'd probably want him a little bit later on. Uh, Real Mudo, it was actually pick 47 was his ADP this year. I don't know that I would be in on him quite that high. I know that he does produce pretty much all over the place. He has a chance to go for a 2020 season this year. He's got 18 homers and 17 steals. It is definitely within the realm of possibility. He could have a uh, career high in RBIs, which I think is also pretty likely, and his batting average will be right around that range, right on his career mark of 275. I just think pick 47 there, that would be beginning of the fourth round in a 15-teamer. It just feels maybe a little too early for me for a catcher who's, you know, he's not that old. He's 31 right now. By the time next season starts, he'll be 32. I think I've just seen it this year a little bit. We've all seen it. Uh, Whit Merrifield, Starling Marte, guys that we kind of expect to steal bases. This is These are different examples, but I think they're just the first players that came to my mind. Guys start to get into their later 30s, and they're not going to be stealing as many bases. And as someone who is a catcher, you're going to be someone, or he's going to be someone who wants to preserve his knees. He's not going to be trying to, you know, injure himself stealing a base and then not be able to catch anymore. I think the older he gets, the more that will become a real problem. 17 steals this year is fantastic. It's a career high. His career high previously was last year with 13. I don't know that we're going to keep seeing him hit those numbers. So I'd be a little bit hesitant on Real Mudo uh, around pick 47 from last year. I mean, you can assume his, this has been arguably the best year of his career. Not home run rise, but uh, home run wise. But as a whole, you could argue this is as good as Real Mudo's ever been. We might even see an uptick in that ADP. He might even go to 40 or something like that. I would much rather wait and get a catcher like Alejandro Kirk or even Sean Murphy or Adley Rutschman. I think those guys will all be going a little bit later. Dalton Varsho is another one. I just wouldn't be reaching to grab JT Real Mudo. I think we, we did it this year kind of with Sal Perez. We reached pretty high on him after a career season last year, and I think he was going usually in the third round this year. It kind of had red flag written all over it, and we've seen it wasn't really a great choice in that pick. Obviously, very different players, but in terms of catchers, where I would want to start grabbing them, I don't know that I'd really be in until probably round five, six, or later. In a 15-teamer, if you're talking 12-teamers, then probably even a little bit later. Like Real Mudo, if he's going around pick 60 to 70 range, then maybe you'd start to be a little bit more interested there. But if he's still going in the top 50 for me, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. I think that's going to be just a little bit too high. Let's talk about Carlos Rodon for a second here. He did a very good job yesterday through five innings. He got the victory, eight strikeouts. Uh, he walked one batter, and he allowed two hits. But he did have to leave early with a blister issue. That's really unfortunate. Now, if this was your last start for Rodon of the season, if this is your last week, 
then it's it's not great, but it's really not that big of a deal. He still got you the victory, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, it was it was a good outing. Now, his next start is slated to be against the Rockies at Coors Field, which is where I get a little bit nervous. Now, obviously, Rodon has been excellent. He is a Cy Young contender in the National League. And just looking at the National League right at the top there, it's pretty hard to say who exactly is going to come away with a Cy Young. It looked like it was Alcantara, and then he had a few bad starts. And now his last start was pretty solid a couple days ago. But, I mean, Rodon's been really good. Zach Allen's been really good. Uh, even Tyler Anderson, I mean, he's been amazing. I don't think he's going to win Cy Young. But there's a lot of viable candidates at the top there. Now, this is pure speculation, but maybe Rodon will push through it and say, you know what, I'm going to make these last couple starts. I'll fight through it, and we'll deal with it in the offseason. And maybe that kind of mentality will lead to him going out there when he's not really ready to for a start at Coors Field. Now, that's complete, complete conjecture on my part. But I think at this stage, I think, well, first of all, he could have won the Cy Young last year if he didn't get injured. I think he did have the lowest ERA, if memory serves, but he did miss too much time to qualify, and then he was kind of not really in the running. If that kind of thing is going to be in his head this year, I think he will push to make these starts. I think that he's probably, and I believe he has an opt-out after this season. I don't think the Giants are going to retain his services, most likely. So I don't know if they're really going to care so much about this either. They put a lot of effort into their pitchers and developing their pitchers and working with them. So I'm really not sure about this one. But if he does go out there and make that start at Coors Field next time, I want to be looking at what a lot of beat writers are saying. I want to be looking at his pre-start stuff, his his warm-up pitches, uh, just how comfortable he is. It's it's going to be a tough one, but I think I would consider sitting him there if he does go at Coors Field next Tuesday. That's just a little, it's a little bit risky. I mean, maybe he just goes one or two innings and then he gets pulled. Maybe he gets blown up. It's 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 really really tough. Now, if there was no injury here and it was just a regular Coors Field start, you'd still feel kind of a little bit nervous about starting really anybody. Now, Rodon is one of those guys where he's an elite pitcher, so you're not going to be as nervous. But there's always some level of, of nerve-wrackingness, uh, made up a word there, excuse me, when you're starting a guy in Cincinnati or in Colorado. Now, when you add in a blister problem, maybe he's not 100% in the whole Cy Young narrative that I'm spinning here. Maybe it's nonsense. Maybe it's true. I don't know. But it all combines to make me feel a little bit nervous about starting him in his next timeout. I want to see that that blister is fully healed, that there is some kind of reports. If you are someone who owns Rodon in a lot of cases, I would follow some Giants beat writers I would be searching the word Rodon on Twitter and on Google every day and just making sure, keeping track of this progress. Now, obviously, we've talked about how there's different levels of fantasy players. Some people won't really care. They'll see if if he's healthy on the day of, they'll throw him. If you're really competing for a lot of money right now, then I would be very, very careful about about this kind of start. Is he going to be better than your average streamer you'd pick up off the wire? Maybe, probably, but we just don't know. We really don't know. He might go out there throw five pitches, give up three home runs, and it's just brutal. And then, you know, we get kind of what happened uh, similarly with David Peterson yesterday, which we will get into, uh, which will be a tough conversation where I'll maybe have to go to the liquor cabinet for that one. But we'll we'll get through the David Peterson conversation here. But I think with Rodon, I think I've made my point. I'm just a little bit nervous here about talking uh, or about starting him against uh, at Coors Field. Jesus, excuse me. I'm a little bit nervous about that one just because of this blister thing. But we will move on, and we'll talk about Nick Lodolo, who... Honestly, this guy has been so undervalued, especially in Yahoo leagues these last few weeks. We've only seen him just recently, I think it was yesterday, the day before, go up over 50% rostered. And wow, it's long overdue. Yesterday, he went six and a third. He struck out 11 batters. He allowed three earned runs and six hits. 
absolutely phenomenal stuff from Nick Lodolo. These last three times out, the strikeout totals, 11, 11, and 9. Just beautiful stuff out of him there. Only five combined earned runs over his last three starts, which has been just over 20 innings. He's obviously been fantastic. He should not be available. He should not be on waiver wires. His next start will be against the Red Sox, who have not been fantastic this year by any stretch. That should be a money start for you right there. Now, there are going to be some arguments today that kind of apply just in general, not to specific players, about who you should be adding, who you should be dropping schedule-wise and whatnot. Now, if this is your last week of the season, then it doesn't really make sense to hold on to Nick Lodolo because that start against the Red Sox should come on Tuesday. I believe that it'll be Tuesday, or maybe if they push him back, it'll be Wednesday or Thursday. But that series against the Red Sox does not start until Tuesday. The Reds do not play on Monday, and I do not think that they'll push him to start Sunday against St. Louis. I don't think that that's the way it's going to work. So if this is the last week of your season, as great as Nick Lodolo has been, he's not going to start again for you, and that, and therefore it's just a wasted roster spot. Now, if you do go into next week, which I think most people do, Nick Lodolo should absolutely be rostered ahead of that um, start against Boston. And we haven't really started looking towards two-star pitchers for next week. But there is a chance that if the first start falls on a Tuesday, then he will have a second start. So let's just quickly take a look. Tuesday, yes. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So he would hypothetically be in line for a two-step Boston and Milwaukee. Get ahead of your teammates right now. Get ahead of your league mates and go ahead and grab Nick Lodolo, assuming that you do go until next week because that is going to be probably, without knowing the entire lineup of two starters, that's going to be one of the most sought-out ones on the waiver wire going into this weekend. If you have him, absolutely hold. Uh, If he's sitting out there for whatever unknown reason still, please go and add him. He is at currently 52% rostered. You can probably still find him. And if you can, then I would be all for it. Let's talk about Julio Rodriguez for a second. He did hit a home run and steal a base yesterday. He scored a couple times. He was also hit by a pitch. Great stuff, obviously, from Julio. Now, I did open my big mouth yesterday and say maybe we're overvaluing him just a touch in comparison to guys like Michael Harris, who provide a pretty similar stat line, Bobby Witt. Similar kind of production. And, of course, he hits a home run and steals a base in the next game uh, after I said that. It's just the way it works. It's obviously just going to be how it is. Julio is still, now if I was misconstrued yesterday, Julio is still obviously an elite player. He is obviously excellent. I just don't think that he is going to be that much better than Michael Harris where there should be like a four-round discrepancy. That's pretty much what I meant, and I realized afterwards when I said it, like people are probably going to think that I don't like Julio Rodriguez because of what I said, and I I don't know how you guys interpreted it, but listening back to that segment of the show, I was like, Maybe it came up a little too anti-Julio, which is not at all who I am. I think that he is a stud. I think he's excellent. I just don't think that he is five rounds, 50 picks better than Michael Harris. That was pretty much what I was trying to say, but I don't think we need to spend too much time on him here. Let's talk about Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling has been an absolute darling for fantasy managers, for Blue Jays fans. Just as a whole this season, he has been so wonderful. Six and a third yesterday, four strikeouts, one earned run, one walk, and three hits. He did get the victory against Tampa. I can't I can't say enough about him, really. The Blue Jays would not be in the position that they are without Ross Stripling. He's probably already been scooped up in your leagues. I think he's closing in on 70% rostered. He's 65% rostered. 65%. Now, that's still probably pretty low. The one thing that might hold you back here if you haven't added him already is the fact that his next start is likely going to be against Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. That is a little bit risky to use in your championship week. I would kind of understand either way there. You kind of just have to know your pitching staff already, and we've talked about this 
ad nauseum throughout the season. If you're a team that kind of just gets by with your wins and your ratios and strikeouts aren't that important to you, Ross Stripling probably fits into your mold pretty well. If you're looking for strikeouts and that's what you really desperately need, then probably go look for like a Nick Lodolo because Stripling has, I mean, the strikeouts have definitely been better recently, but he's not going to give you like crazy high double digit strikeouts. So know your team build. I think that there is still room for him on a lot of rosters and 12 teamers. And maybe you could even argue some 10 teamers. I know I'm in a lot of 10 teamers where he is rostered. There's a couple where he isn't, and it just doesn't really fit my team build. So I haven't picked him up there. It's really more of an individualized thing with Ross Stripling. He's probably going to give you some good ratios, decent chance for a victory, and probably roughly one strikeout per inning, maybe you know one less. If he pitches five, expect four. If he pitches six, expect five, that kind of thing. But I think he's a lot more valuable than 65% rostered would suggest. He's just outside of the top 100 for value. Uh, according to Yahoo's rankings, He's 104th ranked player for the season. So probably should not have been available for this length of time. He's done a lot of good for, for nobody in a lot of leagues because he's just been sitting out there on the waiver wires. But I think there is probably room to grab him ahead of that Philly start, depending on uh, team need and a lot of different things. Now, it'll come, I believe, on Tuesday early in the week. Maybe you don't want to risk a kind of a blow-up start early in the week. Understandable. Uh, that's why I would kind of leave the decision in your hands and just say, Look at your team and see if it makes sense to add up uh, Ross Stripling for next week. Let's move on now to our waiver wire portion of the show. This is where I just go through the most added and drop players today across fantasy baseball and see what's making sense to me. So the first ad added in more than 11,000 leagues over on Yahoo is Oscar Gonzalez. He was just under 7% owned. Now we're up to 25. He's the number one ranked player over the last seven days, 10 for 24 with four home runs. And in terms of long-term sustainability, I don't really know, but I also don't really care at this point of the season. All you really need is maybe a week. Maybe it's another three days worth of production. So you're just looking for the hottest players with the best matchups. He's playing currently right now. They've already started today against the White Sox. He's 0 for 2. Their next series this weekend will be against Minnesota. And I believe that there will be four games. Yeah, because they got that doubleheader on Saturday. So Oscar Gonzalez for the rest of the week here. I think he makes about as strong of an ad in terms of outfielders that you're going to find here, especially with that four games uh, coming up in three days here. If you're just looking for a little bit of an extra boost in your counting stats, he's probably the guy that I would lean towards here. In terms of the other position players that we're seeing getting added, Elvis Andrews, we've talked about him at length. He should be on rosters. He's been excellent now for more than a month, and he's, he's producing at the top of a good lineup. So go ahead and add Elvis Andrews. Rodolfo Castro is also another guy who you could maybe argue an ad for. The average is going to be pretty poor, so you have to factor that into what you do. I don't think that that's the biggest of concerns considering what else he's been doing over the last month. Seven homers and three steals. He's scoring runs. He's driving them in. He's batting in that third spot in the order. And yesterday, I mean, he had a home run and he stole a base. Obviously great stuff. He's another guy where you can ride that hot streak. Probably more of a deeper league guy, Rodolfo Castro. But he does have eligibility at second, third, and at short. So that's always very, very useful. It's just the batting average. If you're really looking specifically for batting average, he's not going to be much of a help there. Those are the main position players being added up today. We have mostly pitchers who are being scooped up. Dylan Bundy is our number one added pitcher in more than 4,700 leagues. I think it's a bit of a risk with Dylan Bundy. As always, he's not going to get you many strikeouts. There's always a big risk for a blow-up, and this is a Hail Mary pass against a pretty poor Kansas City team. So this is not one that I would ever recommend at this time of year. Really, pretty much any time of year, it's a little bit too risky for Dylan Bundy season. But if you're desperate enough, if you really just need some strikeouts, maybe the chance for a win, and your ERA is already shot to hell, and your whip is already done, 
then maybe it makes sense to start him and just hope for a mercy, uh, hope for a prayer there, essentially, because you're gonna. I mean, a win is within the it's within the realm of possibility against Kansas City. He could get a victory. He only has eight this season in 123 innings, but I mean, this day and age, wins are very hard to come by. You got to kind of pick your battles, and that's a decent little battle there. The next guy we're seeing added up, this is more for shallow leagues because he's mostly rostered already, but Carlos Carrasco, he's up to 74% rostered. He was at 69 last week, but he did have a very good outing last time out against Miami. He did miss some time, came back against Washington. It was only two and two-thirds. It wasn't a great outing, uh, but he really got back on form or back on track, I should say, last time against Miami. For the season, he's still been very impressive. He's striking out almost a batter per inning. The ERA, maybe a touch high at 3.8, and the whip, maybe a touch high as well at 1.3, but 14 victories. We've talked about this a lot. Pitching for good teams, even if you're not the greatest guy, it's a really good chance for a victory here, and specifically against the Pirates. I know it's not going to be a lot of leagues where he is rostered, like I said, just shy of 75% owned, but if you can still find him, he's probably about as good of an option as you're going to find tonight. Another guy who is pretty highly rostered, who's actually been added a bit as well, is Sean Manaya and Sean Manaya his last time out he came into the ninth inning of a game where the Padres were losing eight to four against the Dodgers and he threw a shutout inning now he will rejoin the rotation tonight he'll start against Arizona and this one definitely comes with some risk to it as well uh, he's pretty much ruined the good work he did at the beginning of the season now his ERA for the year is at 523 obviously it's been a really tough road to roster Manaya, but 66 percent two-thirds of teams are still hanging on and I think this start is a pretty decent option for him to kind of hit the redemption island he gets the Diamondbacks who I mean I know there's been moments recently with Jake McCarthy and even with Corbin Carroll but uh, you just don't see great offensive production from them on a consistent basis they're in the bottom third in a lot of key stats hits average OBP uh, they're 17th in slugging 19th in OPS they're not the greatest offensive team and with Shamanaya on the mound the lefty we're likely to see Corbin Carroll taking a seat again tonight which is just just awesome right we all really wanted to see Corbin Carroll come up to the major leagues to be a platoon player that's really really sick but Shamanaya still regardless of if Corbin Carroll's in the lineup or not I think I'd trust him more than I would with guys like Dylan Bundy and arguably Noah Syndergaard JT Brubaker other guys that are being added up tonight I have a little more faith in him despite the shakiness because of the opponent because he can put up really high strikeout numbers it definitely has a risk associated with it and I think he's more of a specialty strikeout guy. If you're hoping for low ERA strikeouts win and the whole works, it might be disappointing because that's just kind of been the season that he's had. But I think there's a lot of cases where I'd be more comfortable streaming him in than the other guys that we are seeing added up today. So if that is your situation, you need to just be streaming every single day. Maybe you just need to catch up in strikeouts and you couldn't give a shit about ERA. Shamanai is a great option if he's still out there. Now, if it's the reverse situation, he's probably not a great option. But that's why I've mentioned this a lot, that there are just so many different fantasy leagues, so many different options that sometimes you give advice and it's not just going to be cookie-cutter advice where you say, add this guy. It's going to be very different in a 10, 12, and 15-team league, who you're streaming, who you're adding, who you're dropping. There's a lot of differences, obviously. So I'll try and work through some of those different league uh, types with you guys sometimes, which might come off as being a little bit repetitive, and I apologize if it does. But with Shamanaya, strikeouts are are the key thing with him, typically. He's going to strike out about a batter an inning, maybe more, maybe a little bit less. But typically, he's been a plus strikeout guy throughout his career. So you're going to probably be seeing, I would imagine, about five innings with five-ish strikeouts and hopefully getting a win here against an inferior opponent. That is what you're hoping for. Not to say that this is not a risky move. There is definitely some risk there. 
but I would take him over Dylan Bundy, and I would take him over Syndergaard, and I would take him over Brubaker. Maybe Syndergaard is kind of close, but uh, pretty much I would I would take Mania over all of these guys. Let's get to the drops now. Those are the primary ads. Let's talk about players who have been dropped. And the number one, David Peterson. Oh, man. Deep breath. Everybody take a collective deep breath if you streamed in David Peterson yesterday. It is going to be okay, even though it really doesn't feel like it. And, man, like this one, this has been the only bad start that I've had in my main home league that I focus on the most. This is the only bad start that I've had the whole week. I've had you, Darvish. I've had Cal Quantrill. I've had Nestor Cortez, and I've had Framber Valdez, and then I've had David Brickin Peterson, who absolutely, absolutely murdered us yesterday. And there's no, there's no way to put it nicely. Like he might have just lost you your entire season yesterday, which is ob- which is the risk that you take when you, when you play fantasy baseball. That literally anybody can lose your season. I'm seeing Juan Soto lose me a couple seasons right here because he's just been literally dead weight done nothing but David Peterson yesterday five runs one out only got one strikeout there as well if you're just looking at what he did yesterday the ERA for the day was 135 and his whip was 15 so obviously he set you back quite a ways I am so cool with dropping him at this point I was going to give him a benefit of the doubt I did give him a benefit of the doubt over these last couple starts but these last three opponents like if you had been if you'd seen this on the schedule in advance and known it was going to line up like this at home versus Colorado, and then Washington at Miami, and then Chicago, you would have been adding him up in every single, you would have added him up in eight team leagues. But it's just been freaking awful, terrible stuff from David Peterson. I don't expect him to get another start. I think Trevor Williams will probably get it. If not him, then somebody else, because I think that they just can't go back to David Peterson. It's been, it's been dreadful, really. Let's talk about Ronzi Contreras, who went four innings yesterday, and he had a pretty good outing. It was four innings, one run, uh, three strikeouts. It was, it was pretty good stuff. Now, the Pirates kind of fooled us, and they didn't tell the public beforehand that this was going to be uh, a workload kind of day. They were only going to let him throw 50, 60 pitches, and something that was not made available beforehand, and I don't think it was anyway. Um, so it kind of sucks if you did add him up. Maybe it was your last add of the week, and you were just banking on a great start against the Reds. It was pretty good but you'd probably would have hoped for a couple more strikeouts. Uh, maybe a victory would have been nice, you know, of course. So you're probably a little bit disappointed, and I do understand dropping him here. This will probably end up being what we see from the rest of the season, so it's probably going to be pretty tough uh, to use him at all. His next start is going to be against the Yankees. That's just a no-go. It's a complete drop for me. It makes no sense to hold on for that so he can throw three innings against the Yankees and then hope that he doesn't give up runs. In the, it's just... It's way too risky. Next year, I think he'll be a really interesting draft pick. Probably will not be too expensive because the Pirates are still going to suck next year. People like myself tend to worry about the wins that players can get. Now, obviously, that's not everything, but it's certainly something. Pitchers on terrible teams tend to not go as high in draft. So, Ronzi Contreras next year might be a pretty decent discount. But for right now, I think you probably have to just play the sad music and hit the drop button. Let's move on to Mike Clevenger. Now, he has been really, really bad. He gave up six runs on seven hits over five innings yesterday, just two strikeouts. Now, I'm pretty okay to drop Mike Clevenger. And you might say, well, he's been, you know, him and Manaya, pretty much the same thing. Well, this all comes down to these last couple of matchups. Manaya against Arizona today, yeah, sure. That's something where you will take the chance. In Arizona, big ballpark, you'll take the chance. Next time out, Clevenger will face the Cardinals on Tuesday. So whether or not this is your last week of fantasy, or if, if you go till next week, I don't think Mike Clevenger deserves to be on any one single roster, really. Maybe 15-team leagues, maybe. 
But over the last month, over his last 28 and a two-thirds innings, he has 18 strikeouts and almost a 7 ERA. He has been awful every time out. He was kind of serviceable against San Francisco uh, late in August. He's just, for the most part, though, every time out has been a disaster. Now, there's been a couple of Dodgers starts in there. He's actually faced them three times since August the 6th. So it's probably not the most righteous um, evaluation of him to say that he's a bad pitcher or whatever. I don't think he's a bad pitcher. But he's facing another hot offense in St. Louis on Tuesday. I, I just don't think that that's really going to make too much sense if you're heading into your championship week to try and hope for a Shamanaya good start. Or, excuse me, to hope for a Mike Clevenger good start. It's just probably not going to happen. The next guy being dropped is Nick Lodolo. And we talked about this one earlier. If this is the last week of your season, then drop him and pick up somebody else who's starting or a hot batter these next couple of days. If you go into next week, then I believe he will be lined up for a two-step. His first start is Tuesday. The second start is Sunday. So as of right now, he should be getting two starts. If you go into next week, there's no reason on God's green earth to be moving on from Nick Lodolo. Most of these other players that we're seeing dropped are guys that started yesterday or over the last couple of days who maybe they were good, maybe they weren't good, but it's just kind of what we've been talking about all day here. Your situation might just be that you have to drop a really good pitcher who's just not going to pitch again for you this season. So we've seen Patrick Sandoval get dropped. We've seen Drew Rasmussen get dropped, even though Rasmussen struggled a bit yesterday. He's probably not a drop, just if this was you know April or May or June. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of different strategies here employed because of where we are in the season. So Edward Cabrera is another guy who's been dropped. Uh, Dane Dunning makes the most sense of all these guys. He's been dropped. Um, Jose Suarez, Zach Grinke, Dean Kramer, J.P. Sears, Kyle Gibson, all these guys, it makes perfect sense to drop them. And I'm assuming if you are dropping them, it is because your league is done. You're not dropping these guys with it when they still have starts left for next week. That would be kind of crazy, especially with guys like Sandoval, like Cabrera, uh, like Hunter Brown, even if he gets another start. I think that those guys you should probably be hanging on to if you do have another week but they're all acceptable drops, assuming that your season ends this week. I do want to talk about a couple of pitching matchups. There's one in particular that, for me, is just absolute gold, and that is going to be Shane McClanahan and Kevin Gosman. This will be Shane McClanahan's first start in a couple of weeks. He has obviously been dominant throughout the season. A couple of peaks, a couple of valleys like the rest of us, but, I mean, 147 innings, 182 Ks. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to win the Cy Young Award this season still if he has three or four really good starts down the stretch. Verlander injured. I mean, I think Verlander is coming back, but I don't know that they're going to have so much rope with Verlander. I think that McClanahan, with a couple of good outings, could hypothetically get himself a Cy Young. On the other side, Kevin Gosman, I think, should be in that conversation still. He's not going to be. I think you really should be. Those independent pitching metrics are really solid. Uh, one of the worst, I think the worst BABIP still in all of baseball this season. That 3.31 ERA should really be somewhere sub-3, unfortunately. And I don't think he's really gotten all the due that he should have uh, for his work this season. That's pretty much it for matchups. We're looking at a pretty thin day. The only other one that could make a case is Syndergaard and Pablo Lopez. But I don't. I couldn't do that in good faith when there's this other great matchup going on earlier in the day. We got Brubaker and Carrasco, Caprellian and McCullers, Lynch and Bundy. There's just nothing really, really worth highlighting. Which, I mean, it's just the way it works sometimes. If you guys can get your hands on a TV set around 3 o'clock, I would put on the McClanahan-Gosman start. And then that would be, you know, you could watch baseball throughout the day, really. But that'll be the first one other than the game that's going on right now, the White Sox and the Guardians. That's really going to be worth watching here.
that will wrap it up for me for today, guys. I do want to say, though, thank you for those of you who continue to listen to the show. This has actually been our most downloaded week of the show ever. It's kind of crazy with the baseball season winding down. You'd expect it to go in the opposite direction. But I think there was some kind of random promotion or something that Apple or iTunes or one of those sites did that kind of moved us to the top of the search results or something. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's you guys leaving your reviews and all that, which I'm not really, I have no idea where it came from at the end of the season here. We've been slowly shedding some viewers these last few weeks, and now we've just had our biggest week on the show yet. So if you are new to the show, whether or not you are new or old, thank you so much for tuning in, hitting that subscribe button so you download the show every day, and also to go follow us on our socials at ethosfantasybb and myself at joeorico99. That's where you get all of our fantasy baseball content, and that's just going to keep ramping up heading into next season. We're literally hiring writers every single week here at Sports Ethos to give you baseball, fantasy baseball content throughout the offseason and heading into next year. So make sure you are following both of those accounts. That's where you get most of the stuff from. And of course, like I said, subscribe to the pod. Make sure you get it downloaded, even on days where you can't listen to it. Hit that five-star button. Those things really contribute to the viewers, the, to the viewer surge that we've seen here in these last uh, week or so. So thank you so much, everybody. We will see you again tomorrow. We'll wrap up the week, and we will look at some weekend streaming options. Until then, best of luck. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers, guys. Thank you.